Good evening, and welcome to another edition of No Lights Paranormal Podcast, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web, and then discuss them. My name is Joe, I'm the lead investigator. My name is Teresa, I am your researcher. I am your tech wizard, Alex. And you said you couldn't sing. No. <laughs> you fibber. <laughs> Alright. Although that you could a side note, you could actually kinda of do that right now is just sing the there things you go. instead there you of go. maybe. Maybe maybe it'll be a thing. I don't know. I'll see how I feel next week. We'll get some auto tunes and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Alright, so let's before we jump into the stories of Texas. Um, Love it. Teresa, what announcements do you have for us? Yeah, so I actually have a couple of different announcements. This week we are planning uh, big, beautiful things for the next couple of months leading up to Halloween. For starters, we have been invited to set up a table at Mountain and Flame Spiritual Boutique in Wadsworth on Main Street, right across the street from the Marathon. Uh, First Fridays are an event that happen quite literally on the first Friday of each month in downtown Wadsworth, which is a beautiful historic town where I actually grew up. So, the first Friday event this coming week um, is all about the Grizzlies, which is Wadsworth's uh, football team. Yes. So the Grizzlies, they're pretty fabulous, to be quite honest. Uh, They spend a lot of money on their uniforms, and they win a lot of fucking games. Yeah, they do. Their sports program is top-notch with that. Yeah, yeah. They're they're good. They're really good. So, go Grizzlies. Anyway. So this week we're going to be up there, uh, basically I'm going to have a little table, I'm going to be selling some aprons so that, that we still have left over from the previous stuff, handing out some business cards, shaking some hands, saying hello, uh, talking to, you know, anybody who comes up. So I highly recommend that you come and enjoy the festivities. Uh, all of Wadsworth will be out and about down on the square. It's going to be an absolutely awesome time. And you can pick up all of your uh, spiritual needs right there at Mountain and Flame. So, Yay! Yeah, they got a good spread up there. They do. They do everything from just, you know, your standard crystals and candles uh, mm-hmm. all the way up. So all kinds of good stuff. Also, humongous announcement. I think that pretty much everyone in the paranormal community is aware that National Ghost Hunting Day is coming up on September the 30th. Dun, dun, dun. So we are actually going to be hosting a ghost walk in downtown Wadsworth in the square on September the 30th. We will be filming it so we can bring it to the viewing pleasure of all of you beautiful people. Um, We have not yet gotten uh, the times for the walk, but I do know that there's gonna be two consecutive walks. They will be about 45 minutes apiece. And it's gonna be in downtown Wadsworth, so come down. It's gonna be super, super fun. If you need, um, if you, if you need to, Wadsworth, W A D S W O R T H, Ohio, uh, about 20 minutes south of Akron. Would love to see every single one of you come on down. There is no limit to the festivities. We are gonna have so much fun. It's gonna be stupid. Yeah. Hopefully, I can get the time off work to go be there. Because I want to enjoy really that. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who were not aware of Joe's new working schedule, which I think almost everybody is now at this point, <laughs> uh, it sucks. Uh, so yeah, that is also why we just released this last episode on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so our recording schedule is completely screwed. So for those of you who are waiting Monday, I apologize greatly. Um, we'll be releasing on Tuesday mornings uh, okay. for the foreseeable future. Yeah, apologies, um, guys. My work. <laughs> kind I don't of even want to designate up, mornings. I will say Tuesday at some point it will be released. <laughs> Tuesdays on so, Tuesdays. That's on me. My in case, bad. In case we have know. nights like tonight, where exactly, yeah. exactly, where it's you know nine o'clock and we're just now recording. But we love you guys so much that there's no possible way we wouldn't. So yeah, yeah, we're just a little bit of schedule change and that was it. So exactly. So Texas, yes. our viewers have showed us that. We have a lot of people down in Texas who like to listen to our show. Yeah. Which I absolutely love, Texas. Thank you so much. We love you. And tonight is all about you. Yes. Joey, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Um, as soon as I get my notes ready, because I wasn't expecting to kick us off. But yeah, I'll I go apologize. first. I uh, apologize. That's fine. We can chitty chat for just a second here while we're uh, thinking about it. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think I had almost like the most fun with Texas. Like, I, I don't yeah. know where your stories went, but, like, I got a great one. Like, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, the story I did, I am absolutely loving as well. Um, yeah. Yes. 
Sounds Mine's fun. a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, it actually involves a kind of a place, and since I'm a foodie, it involves also food. We have to uh, but it kind of it doesn't go all over like my other stories, or it doesn't encompass a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a I thought it was a really cool story because it incorporated somebody owning a business, not knowing what they had, and then capitalized on it to actually further their business. Interesting. And then COVID hit, and mm-hmm. they had to get away with from it. But, yeah, I did actually have a lot of fun researching some of the stories from Texas. Even my dad, actually, because he used to drive truck, mm. drove through Texas plenty of times and has his own stories from it that he was telling me as I'm researching this. So it was actually kind of cool to hear some of the stories that were, were going Were they haunted stories? Uh, just, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's a moth in here, and it just attacked Alex, so that's why I was laughing at my bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's helping with tech. Right. Um, no, they, they weren't ghost stories per se. As you know, he was a truck driver, so he's on the road. Sure, it's right. just weird things that he saw out there on the road while driving. Texas is an interesting place altogether. Yeah. And even my uncle lived in Texas for years. Mm. It was the joke when the song of All My Texas All My Exes Live in Texas. Facts. We were joking around with him about that because he literally moved to Texas to get away from some of his if exes. I, if <laughs> I had a mass load of exes, they would probably live in Texas. Yeah. But uh no, just like haunted highways, um Yeah, oh god, ghost lights. Yeah, ghost everywhere. lights everywhere. And I even experienced that when I went on the trip with my dad. Yeah. And we passed through Texas and I remember coming up, I was young at this time, so my memory is, I remember certain parts, but not the whole memory intact. Mm, yeah. Um, we were getting ready to come onto this one highway. I remember actually turning, you know, getting on the on-ramp to go into there. And my dad looked at me, he said, son, you're going to see some weird things on this highway. Don't freak out. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, I think I was like 10 or 11 at the time. So I'm like, like, okay. Whatever. Um, and then I just remember seeing like weird lights in the sky and just like weird formations that didn't look like airplanes with the lights on them and everything. That's amazing. So it was just really weird big sky country and it just it was weird. Well I think that is really like the definition big sky big sky. Yeah. I mean let's face it outside of Alaska like you're talking about the biggest land area in the U.S. Right. Exactly. Right. In the lower 48, it's the biggest state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Stands to reason, it should have the most shit. There's some crazy shit. <laughs> Plus, what a lot of people don't realize is, even though <clears throat> immigrating from England, we came from the East Coast, mm. Mexico's always been there. So some yeah. of the oldest stuff is in Texas, yeah. too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So interesting, interesting, actually, is I deal with a little bit of immigration in my story, but mine is German immigrants that, believe it or not, landed in Texas. So I would actually like to speak on that real quick. So speaking on German immigrants, um, in preparing for what will be episode 23 after Texas, I went ahead and pulled up the statistics. Uh, And this month, we have our first listener from Germany. Are you shitting me? Uh, We now officially have a download in Germany. Nice. So I don't know who you are. Amazing. Hello, German. I love people from Germany because I have a lot of family actually in Germany who I don't unfortunately know a whole lot of because right, I am not privileged <laughs> enough to have uh, been able to visit. Um, yeah, so my my maiden name is actually Hausch. It's H-A-U-S-C-H. So my, my great-grandmother and great-grandfather came directly here from Germany uh, before, before the Great Depression. And my grandfather... Um, was actually born on the boat, headed here to the U.S. And when you are born in international waters, you automatically take up um, um, whatever country you're going to is where you actually become a resident of. So he, he just became a legal citizen of the U.S. because he was born headed here, which is really awesome. So yeah, I, I love it. So Germany, thank you so much for listening. I hope that um, we I don't butcher any of these names I'm going to be saying here. Oh, it's guaranteed we're going to butcher them. <laughs> also, That's... I think uh, Germany will uh, we'll see you when we take a break from our U.S. tour. Yeah. Promise. Yeah. Promise. I would actually, because my dad was stationed in Germany during the Vietnam War at one point, and he has a ton of stories from My dad was actually stationed in Germany for a good long while as well, but it so, wasn't Vietnam. It was just okay. a little bit after. My dad's just slightly younger. So we may have some personal stories with that one, so that would I be cool. I love it. All right. <clears throat> so... Anything else? 
That's it. No, let's okay. do it. Tell us your story. So, again, we talked about mispronouncing words all the time. I'm going to butcher the hell out of this one. You actually um, said mispronouncing instead of mispronouncing. So. Exactly. See? It happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, Waxahachie, Texas? That uh, is correct. Waxahachie, yes. So, finally. Okay. Anyways, um, I found this plantation down there. It's called the Catfish Plantation. Uh, it's actually a really cool story. They got a picture of it here on the website, and I promise I will post the website this time, of uh, what the house actually looks like. Oh, I like it. So it, it's it's actually really cool the history on it a little bit is uh, and I'm reading it from this haunted houses website so because I did not have time to write my notes down so I'm just going off the website so uh, the catfish catfish plantation restaurant which specializes in catfish Cajun and down home cooking which immediately hooked me yeah when I was researching like, this, and we must go here. is located in 1895 in 1895 gingerbread Victorian built by a farmer by the name of Anderson. Located in the middle of a residential neighborhood, it was bought by the Bakers in 1984 to be used as a home and restaurant location, having no idea that the place had ghosts. It has a big bay window in the front and looks down the street that goes into the main part of downtown. It has a large 1895-style front porch. Love that. It is beautiful in the picture. And a big front yard that enclosed with, with a white picket fence. This 1895 house was used as a private residence up until 1970. It was then used as a doctor's office that was home to of several unsuccessful restaurants before the Baker family bought it and com- they were completely unaware that it was haunted. Yeah. Um, and side note, this restaurant has been used in like TV shows and all that, which I found out later in my research that it has been used. Um, some of the things it was in in Places in the Heart, Tender Mercies, and A Trip to Bountiful. Never heard of it. As well as other TV movies. Cool. Uh I've never heard of any of those movies either. Um, so they have a couple of manifestations. Um, I don't know. That was weird. Something just happened here. <laughs> anyways, anyways, manifestation. I got you. <laughs> All right. So they have a couple of man- manifestations there. Um, that is the dog. <laughs> okay. Matt will um, point that out for us later. Yes, he will. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Um, in these manifestations, these are the three biggest ones. There's Caroline, uh, Elizabeth Anderson, Will, and supposedly from what they said, he is Will is the most quietest. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Caroline is described as a woman who, with her husband and family, lived in the house from 1953 to, until 1970. Then Caroline dies, died at the age of 80. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know that she died. So that's a ghost that still thinks she's alive and goes about a random day. Elizabeth Anderson was a 20-year-old daughter of Farmer Anderson and was strangled on her wedding by either her ex-boyfriend or an old girlfriend of her soon-to-be husband. Holy shit! (laughs) Toxic Uh, relationship. Right. Uh, Will is just, they said he's a quiet ghost. They said he's just an old guy that just sits on the porch. And he just, they've had uh, police officers actually pull up to there to get something to eat. And said they'll see an old dude sitting in the porch in overalls and a bold straw hat. That's phenomenal. Up there smoking his pipe and all that. And he'll walk, they'll see him sitting on the porch. They get out of the car, walk up, and he disappears right in front of their eyes. Aww. They said, but he doesn't really do anything other than that. He just so it's kind of like a residual on his porch. Yeah, like a residual haunting kind of thing. Well, who knows? He could even be totally intelligent. He just wants to sit on his porch and enjoy the day. Right. Um, and they have the typical kind of haunting things like uh, uh, psychic phenomena, um, like. Doors that are locked going unlocked. Mm. Doors that are unlocked going locked. Um, stuff like that. Lights going on and off, right. on and off right. by themselves. Uh, now, here is some of the stories about some of the manifestations that they have at the police. Uh, Caroline. After first buying this property, Mrs. Baker would commute to Waxahachie mm-hmm. to work on a restaurant, while Mr. Baker still worked in Dallas for a while, finishing up some projects before the Bakers officially moved in for good. Um... At this time, Mrs. Baker had only the key, had the only key to the place, and was the first one there in the morning and the last one to lock up at night. One morning, as she was unlocking the door, she smelt an aroma of brewing coffee and discovered, much of her, much to her surprise, that a pot of fresh coffee awaited her as she walked into the kitchen. <laughs> it was Caroline. 
you know what? Caroline can come hang out at my house yeah. anytime. Uh, apparently, she is very hospitable to anybody who buys the house because it's her house. And she still thinks it's her house. Oh, I love so that. So she's hospitable. She's oh, got that quick hospitality. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call it Southern. Yeah, Southern. Crick <laughs> hospitality is for D&D. That's a little something different. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then about three weeks later, Mrs. Baker came in the morning to find the restaurant's lar- rather large and stainless steel iced tea urn sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor with all the cop- coffee cups stacked neatly inside of it. Oh, wow. She said that was, Mrs. Baker said that that was Caroline's way of saying, move the kitchen somewhere else. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Restaurant employees began to tell of Mrs. Mrs. Baker of how coffee cups were flying through the air by themselves across the room. Oh, wow. And how a can of freeze-dried chives suddenly left the kitchen shelf it was on and flew across the room, spewing chives all over the room as it sailed by. Yeah, at least it was a tasty mess. Right. Food has also been known to fly out of nowhere, hitting the employees. Oh. Um, apparently, Caroline becomes angry and frustrated because of all the strangers in her house. Gotcha. Uh, which, if you've ever met anybody of old-style hospitality, that's exactly how they get. Yeah. Um, and because her family no longer comes to comes for the meals, she used to spend a lot of time preparing the meals in the kitchen to feed her family. Aww. So, if anybody, if there's a lot of people in there, if you have an old Southern mom, get the hell out of my kitchen. That's right. Uh, that's and you get beat hit. You with spoon. Uh, they also say that. They can't keep wine glasses in there. And this is what I found hilarious. Um, they can't keep wine glasses in there because they keep breaking. Maybe she wasn't a To drinker. the point to where they have to tell the customers, bring in your own wine glass if you want wine. Oh, wow. And your own wine. Because Caroline did not approve of alcohol in her home. No kidding. <laughs> so okay, she said so she'll break that. the wine and she'll break the glasses. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Elizabeth. The young, the young yeah, yeah. bride who was the strangled. Poor girl that was. Uh, said her first made her appearance during a seance held in the dining room led by a woman Ruth Jones, well, a local psychic talent. There's your first problem. Yeah, uh, said there was knocking on the walls, and this is the greatest intro for a ghost at all time. Uh, there was knocking on the walls, dishes rattled in the kitchen, and a lighted candle in the middle of the table came up like an explosion of light. Then the kitchen doors flew open with a bang, and a young woman dressed in an old wedding gown floated into the room. What? And said, my name is Elizabeth. Isn't that a rock star entrance? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that is, <laughs> she made a WWE style entrance. That's right. You go, girl. <laughs> uh, her presence is detected by a sweet sense of roses, moving cold spots, and actual appearances. Aww. This ghost like, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> this ghost likes to materialize by the bay window in front of the restaurant and wistfully looks out towards the direction of downtown, either standing or sitting at the table near this window. Uh, she also likes to reach out to people touching them and is known to follow customers home. Oh, wow. Uh, while Miss, Mrs. Baker was doing some paperwork one evening, she felt a gentle cold sensation just on her right hand. She thought that Elizabeth was holding her right hand for about 15 minutes. Aww. Just sitting there holding her hand. Um, said that dad, mom, and her baby sat down at a table near the bay window and told the waitress that, that the baby's name was Alicia. While the mom was eating her dinner, she happened to look up from her meal and saw the name Alicia had been written in the mist of the window. The writing was confirmed by the waitress and Mrs. Baker. No one living could have done it without physically being seen doing it. Uh, Elizabeth once, this is the follow home part. She once followed a lady customer home from a restaurant for a short visit, perhaps prompted by the lady's sympathetic thoughts of Elizabeth. Uh, Felton expressed during her, during her meal. Elizabeth appeared to her by, by her bed at 11.30 p.m. that night. This gentle ghost woke her up and gave her a gift of an old-fashioned powder box in the shape of a lady. After hearing a kind voice saying, Here you are, this startled lady and saw a solid apparition of a 20-year-old woman from the waist up between the bed and the bedside clock. The woman's face was seen quite clearly and was serene, poised, and calm. She had a gentle, earnest brown eyes, straight, fine, light brown hair, which she wore close to her head. Ponytail. Uh... She was wearing an early 1900 afternoon, I hate this term, frock. Uh, they had a moderately low round neckline and was dec- decorated with lace and embroidery. Aww. That's a very descriptive. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, and then Will, they just said he just kind of hangs out on the porch. I dig uh, it. I dig it. You and it's still haunted to this day. And to the baker's credit, they actually did something cool with all of this, knowing that they have personal relationships with the ghosts. They have all this. They actually put on their tagline, on their marquee outside, 
if you see a ghost or have an experience, please tell us. Yeah. They made it a marketing tool. Good for you guys for doing that. Yes. You capitalized on something. Absolutely. Um, however, sadly, when COVID hit, they had to shut down. Or so. at least that's what I'm assuming because it didn't really say why they had to shut down. But I did look it up, the address for it. And it says it's been permanently closed. Oh. Upon further research, I found out that they are trying to sell the building. So anybody in Texas, if you want to buy a building and have a good marketing strategy set up, you already got the building there. I don't know how much they're selling it for, but please look it up. But if uh, you do decide that you want to reach out and buy a building like that, and you know that it has inhabitants, please be respectful. That is their home. Yeah, especially at Caroline, because apparently she gets a little rusty. Right. But um, yeah, a lot of uh, parapsychologists and psychics have researched this building and done this building all for free. Nice. Uh, one, and I'll throw out these names here so that you know if you're interested in buying it or if you're just interested in itself. Uh, Ruth Jones and parapsychologist Dewana Paul and Carol Williams have also cool. investigated it and said it is for real, that Very these cool. things are for real. But I thought it was a lighthearted little story. Um, just something that was kind of yeah. kind of neat, kind of different than what I'm used to doing. So I, I like just thought it was a nice little thing. So Those are some pretty, pretty decent... Uh, spirits. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. That's a good story. So, that's all I got, guys. I love it. I love it. You or me? Doesn't matter to me. You go. Oh God, we're picking dinner. <laughs> <laughs> nope. See how fast and easy that was. That was not a dinner pick. That was a meat pick. Uh, all right. So I would like to talk about a different kind of venue that is open for paranormal investigations, among other things. Uh, near the south bank of the San Antonio River, a fortress stands uh, against a local backdrop of aqua trees and warm blue skies. Through two revolutions, countless skirmishes, and untold hours of everyday life and times gone by, the Presidio La Bahia has stood in that spot since 1749. Uh, prior to that, it was owned by a French, and it was built over top of French ruins that were left there in 1721. Um, the Presidio La Bahia, also known as Fort Defiance, uh, may not be as widely remembered as its sister fort, the Alamo, but its stone walls have over 250 years of Texas history, tragedy, and according to many, departed souls. Uh, it now serves as a museum, church, and occasional hotel. Uh, La Bahia holds centuries of histories both on its ground and beneath them in forms ranging from monuments in honor to its heroes to mass graves of the unknown departed. Um, So being that there is a church on these grounds, there was also a cemetery in the main, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Plava? I mean, yes. Plaza, they used a term, it's the quadrangle, is what they call it there. Okay. Um, but nevertheless, so there was already a graveyard there prior to this oh, tragic event that I will mm. get into. Um, so, uh, the history of La Bahia. Uh, the Presidio de that. The Presidio La Bahia was originally established as a Spanish stronghold to defend Spain's mining interests in the area. But after French colonists withdrew from the Texas territory, the fort became a vital waypoint along major trade routes and a gateway to the river. Uh, At first a show of military might, it soon became a vital landmark of the region. Uh, As the fort transformed into an economic hub, the town of Galead sprouted and blossomed around it. Uh, and the Fort Chapel, Our Lady of Loretto, was constructed to serve soldiers, their families, and the townsfolk, being the only consecrated ground for miles in any direction. Uh, the chapel courtyard soon became home to countless graves, both marked and unmarked, unrelated to the wartime bloodshed on the grounds. Um, during the Texas Revolution, Presidio La Bahia was commanded by Texan Colonel James Fannin, who renamed it Fort Defiance, running critically low on supplies, uh, fighting frigid storms and unable to offer support to the falling Alamo, Fannin was ordered to abandon the fort and fall back to neighboring Victoria. 
the troops of La Bahia had barely left the gates when they were actually captured by the forces of Mexican General Jose de Uria and corralled back into their own fort now as prisoners. Uh, when Uria when Uria refused presidential order to execute the prisoners as pirates, his lieutenant took up the order and had Fannin and his men divided up into groups to be killed. Yeah. Um, Francida Alvarez, the common law wife of another one of Uria's officers, argued passionately for the mercy of the prisoners and was fortunate <laughs> enough to have some luck in this venture. She succeeded in having 20 men spared of their unfortunate demise uh, for medical, linguistic, or other useful knowledge uh, and managed to hide an unknown number of others saving their lives. Uh, for this and her humanitarian efforts throughout the war, Alvarez became known as the Angel of Goliath. Um, in spite of Uriah's refusal, the best efforts of Alvarez, Alvarez and other objectors, a majority of Fannin's men, over 400 in total, were led outside in groups and shot. Uh, those too injured to walk were dragged to the fort's quadrangle, and those who survived the initial firing were beaten and stabbed to death. Okay. Only 28 escaped by hiding among the corpses. That's, that's horrible. Uh, <laughs> Fannin himself was saved for last. He was forced to sit in a chair in the chapel courtyard due to his wounded leg. He requested that he be shot in the heart and given a Christian burial and that his watch be sent back to his family. Uh, the soldiers performing the execution shot him in the face, stole his watch, and burned his body along with the rest. Wow. Oh my god. So, that is the history of yeah. Presidio. And, and that is where the Galliad massacre occurred. I'd be a pissed off ghost. <laughs> um, as far as different hauntings, uh, I've got a couple here. Uh, Our Lady of Loretto, the church that actually, to this day, remains a functioning church. It holds weekly service and frequent Frequently, it holds weddings. Uh, the structure has stood unchanged since 1779. Um, as a center for activity in the peacetime as well as war, the chapel, the chapel is room to be home to a dense and varied populations of spirits. Uh, you can hear the sounds of crying babies, a church organ, and a women's choir can sometimes be heard within, uh, and bells are known to ch chime at unexpected times. Uh, a woman in mourning attire is said to appear at the offering table to light a candle, while another woman in white wanders the courtyard, searching for graves, <laughs> searching the graves for names that can't be found. Uh, there's also a, fro a robed friar that patrols that just randomly frightens off trespassers. Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're thinking the woman in white is that the Alabez mm -hmm. woman that mm. tried to save all these people. Right. Hard That's telling. Um, that, but go ahead. The officers' quarters uh, near the chapel. A section of the officers' quarters can be rented for the night by parties of four or fewer, but one should do so with caution, for the abnormal activity is known to occur. Uh, the most common manifestations in the quarter are phantom footsteps, distant cannon fire, banging on walls, and the sound of a woman's cheerful humming. Uh, this is also where the present presence of Fanon himself can most be felt. Uh, with overnight guests experiencing sharp leg pains and panic attacks and dread, uh, echoing his final moments. Aww. Um, let's see here. And then there is the courtyard itself. Uh, on the other side of the chapel's courtyard is the quadrangle where the injured among Fanon's men were executed. Vultures still flock to this area in anomalous numbers. Uh, perhaps attracted to the same lingering impression of the massacre that some visitors still sense. Jesus. The smell of spectral blood perhaps was never washed clean. Uh, aggressive poltergeist-like echoes of Uriah's men are said to bark orders in Spanish and attempt to shove unwary living people to their knees. Uh, at, at sunset, some have seen bodies decaying on the ground out of the corner of an eye and even caught a whiff of burnt, rotten aftermath on the breeze. Jesus. Um, so that said, again, this is one of those places where it's kind of 
kind of a hotel, but not. It's more like an Airbnb than a hotel, but because you can't actually like rent yeah, the room there. Because I did see a lot of those in Texas. Like and uh, I did want to read one excerpt that I found uh, from. So apparently, when you rent the room there uh, for the night, uh, they have notebooks where people will write down what any they see, encounters yeah. that they have. Uh, so this one was a first-hand account from a previous guest. Uh, October 28th and 29th of 2016. This was an op- awesome opportunity to enjoy Texas history. We watched the sunset uh, from the bastion near the chapel. It was very peaceful. We heard a door opening in the middle of the night. There was tapping noises in the corner near one of the twin beds, and we captured some white and blue orbs in some of our photos. Overall, we had a very enjoyable visit and plan on returning soon. One th- uh, the one thing we want to share for future visitors to be aware of is between 10.30 and 11 p.m., uh, a truck pulled over in the parking area. We could hear people talking and laughing. We heard a female voice say, I just have to try it. And then she tried opening the door that leads out to the parking lot. The truck then took off. Uh, <laughs> one other occurrence was a temperature change in the room. Uh, between the two twin beds, uh, between 1.30 and 2 a.m., uh, we woke up and the room was suddenly very cold. It lasted for a couple of minutes, and then the cold went away. Interesting. So, yeah, that is the story of La Bahia. Right. This sounds like a place with a whole lot of really, really Horrific. unfortunate... 250 memories. years of history. It's been yeah. an orf- There's an orphanage, a church... Uh, yeah, a lot of human suffrage there that could be... That's terrible. Perfect recipe for hauntings. So many of them, actually, yes. So, I kind of followed along in those footsteps as far as, like, a place goes, only I covered an entire town. So, um, yeah. So, we're going to start off like this. Back in December of 1844, there was a man by the name of Prince... Carl of Solms Bromfield. Um, This man was literally a German prince, and he had chosen the landing point to bring 4,304 German immigrants to the U.S. um, right along this beautiful little spot on the Texas coastline. He decided he was going to call the place Carl's Haven after himself, go figure. Uh, So uh, they set up the best that they could. Plans were made by not just them, but the government as well, to have these guys named the Tory brothers, who were going to bring over 100 teams of, like, wagons and oxen and, you know, just people in general, manpower, that were going to take all these immigrants and hopefully move them inland quite a bit so that they could, you know, have good growing land and things like that. But in the meantime, um, they set up their little fishing village and they were doing their thing. So come 1846, it finally happened. Um, the Tory brothers showed up, brought this massive band of over a hundred people with them, and they started. No, my talks over there flopping around. Uh, they started uh, this big move. Now, the move uh, was only slated to be about 150 miles, which I mean, obviously, if you're moving by horseback and wagon, and of course on foot, that still takes a hot. No, yeah, it's, that's, it's a, that's, small, a, yeah. that's a ridiculously long move. Um, but obviously. It's March, and it's Texas. It's extraordinarily hot. It's extraordinarily wet. They are sinking. They are sliding. The wagons are getting stuck and broken. Horses are getting stuck in the mud. and Not having a good time. Like, everything is bad. Yeah. They don't even make it halfway through the trip before over 200 people have died. Jeez. Yeah. Unfortunate shit. So some of them decided, you know what, we're going to keep going. And some of them said, no, we're going back to the coast. Fuck y'all, we're good. (laughs) Go ahead, because that's a horrible trick. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, real bad. Real, real bad. So, this place that they were going to, obviously this prince was going to name this place after himself as well. He ended up calling the town New Bromwich. So, great. Good for you. He has another, another town named after him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> obviously, without without the proper preparations, like I said, over 200 people had died, and that was just the weather, the heat, the unfortunate lack of preparations and food, and and it was it was not good. So, 
this would have gone fine and well and dandy and they would have made it through the swamplands, but while they, when they got to about the halfway mark, the Mexican-American War kicked off. And the U.S. government decided that they needed all able bodies, wagons, horses, you name it, to fight this war. Right. So the Tory brothers and all of their men left. And these people were just stranded. Huh. Like 60 fucking miles from home on foot in these horrible, brutal conditions right. where... A whole bunch of them had already died. Guess what? Town's going here, guys. We're right. not going any further. Exactly. Right? So, if it all wasn't bad enough, now they're completely <laughs> abandoned. Um, and and so they're like, okay, well, cool, whatever. Some of them already went back. The rest of them decided we're gonna we're gonna try to give this a go. We're gonna keep going. Right. You know, you can interpret it that way. I have a sneaking suspicion most of them are not like, all right, this is cool, guys. It's fine. <laughs> well, this is fine. We're all fine. I mean, they didn't have a choice, but I'm pretty sure they weren't cool with it. Oddly, <laughs> oddly enough, they, they decided to continue. Right. So the ones that were going to continue did so. <laughs> what um, choice? <laughs> while they're making this trek, um, epidemics of typhoid fever, cholera and spinal meningitis smacked the shit out of them and over 2,000 of them died before they even made it to New Bromwich. So how many of them actually made it? Uh, just a hair over 2,000. <laughs> yeah, you, you motherfuckers ever play Oregon Trail before? Right. That's exactly what this sounds like. Of, you died of dysentery, Daryl. Of the 4,300, <laughs> just, just over 2,000 actually made it. Wow. Uh, and that's yeah, not not good at all. So anyway, <coughs> um, at this point, about half of these two thousand, you know, went to New Bromwich. The other half was was the, it was a big old nope. Yeah. They went on back to Carlshaven. Uh, Carlshaven uh, at that point um, turned into what was called Indian Point. Was now the new name of the place. Uh, this, mind you, was over the summer of eighteen forty six, I believe. So once they got back there, Indian Point was established. The town was plotted out uh, 733 building lots, 83 blocks, and a four, four parallel street stretch that ran, it ran parallel to the coastline. Yeah. So time passes. Um, everything is actually really, really good. Um, this little tiny port city grew like a bad weed. I mean, somebody fed it some miracle girl or something because, like, uh, in September of 1847, the U.S. government added a post office, which basically says you're on the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get Pony it, Express. <laughs> by 1848, there was a full-time stagecoach service uh, taking you to all major cities. There was also a steamship yacht that was running weekly routes between Indian Point and Galveston, which was the only city at this right. point that even remotely dwarfed the point that they had at, at Indian Point, the pier, the, the docks, it was amazing. Like, they had shipments coming from all over the world of all kinds of goods, trade out the wazoo. Uh, it, was, it was just one of the biggest, most booming, most awesome towns. And there were over 5,000 people inhabiting this city at this point in, like, the that's 1848. A, yeah, that's a that's big number. huge. Yeah. For that time, hell yeah. So it was, it was absolutely amazing. They had one minor problem, drinking water. Obviously, they're sitting on the coast of a body of salt water. Yeah. So, a little bit of an issue there. The nearest lake was over 20 miles away, and there were no little rivers or tributaries that ran through the area. No natural springs or nothing? None. None. Sounds to me like a shit. We made a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why they were trying to move inland to begin with. But, uh, thankfully... This is when they figure out like underground cisterns and things like yeah. that. And by collecting rainwater, they were they were able to make it. There were water shortages here and there, but for the most part, it didn't cause any major catastrophes. Mm-hmm. So super good, super good on them for that. Um, so everything is going amazingly well. Um, this town is huge. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Um, everything is happy, happy. So come. February 1st of 1849, 
the town decided that it wanted its name to sound a little bit more friendly because Indian Point apparently made it sound a little too Wild West for some folks. Uh, yeah, back in that day it makes sense. Right. So, to keep with the tradition of, of Indian Point, they decided that they were going to keep the word Indian in there, but then they added Ola at the end, which is a Spanish word meaning wave. So, Indianola became the new, the new name of this place. That's just ridiculous. Agreed. Uh, after the name change... <laughs> she just called it Indian Wave. <laughs> right, Indian Wave. After the name change, though, oddly enough, um, the amount of people who visited and stayed and the amount of trade at the port took a ridiculously sharp increase. So somehow the name change made this town even more prosperous. <laughs> so this was great. Everything was beautiful. Literally, literally, Galveston was the largest port city on that yeah. coast. Second largest port city was Indianola. Okay. So they were fabulous. Um, then, 1875 came around. Yeah. Yeah. September of 1875, September 16th to be exact, was one of the largest hurricanes that had ever been recorded. They believe that it was what they would consider now a Category 3, but at the time, it was like, holy shit, the world's ending. Um, The town was quite literally completely wiped off the map. I mean, to be fair, if people actually sat back and they looked at building materials from the mid-1800s, uh, they didn't mache. have screws, okay? No. <laughs> so, paper mache back then. The town was declared a 100% total loss. There were only eight buildings that were still left, you know, super ridiculously flooded, but mostly standing. Over 300 people died. I mean, terrible. I'm surprised it was actually that low. I mean, to be honest with you, you got to think back then... They yeah. didn't have the weather channel saying, hey, get the yeah, fuck out of the way. Yeah, they didn't have early alert systems. But they're also on slightly higher ground, which means the flooding wasn't near as bad as it could have been. That's it fair. was only about six feet of water in most places. So, in other words, the Earl was up the top going, hey, there's, there's Nader down yonder. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> despite the insane devastation that took place... Um, the U.S. government and the people of the town, they got together and they said, you know what, this place is amazing, we're not going anywhere. And they completely rebuilt it from the ground up. (laughs) So it was absolutely beautiful again throughout um, basically like 1880-ish on until 1886 when a very, very strong Category 4 hurricane made a direct landfall hit on Indianola and completely wiped the town out again. I mean, they kind of brought they named it Indian Wave. Right. <laughs> so at this point... Um, <laughs> Your town is cursed. Just stop. Over, you must appease the Baba Yaga. <laughs> oh, God. Over 550 <laughs> people died. <laughs> I've killed Joe. Yeah. Over 550 people died... There was absolutely nothing left inhabitable this time. Literally nothing. Yeah. Uh, not one building even slightly remained standing. It was all completely gone, washed into the ocean. So. Yeah, level four hits. You ain't got nothing left. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a strong four. Yeah. Again, especially back then with their building supplies. Yeah. I mean, it's not even the surge you have to worry about then. It's the fact that exactly. building supplies back then can't sustain 130 no. mile an hour winds. No. Exactly. It's so a board. <laughs> I was, um, they actually, this, this storm was, was so incredibly devastating that historical records actually named it the Hurricane of Indianola. Hmm. It says it was an absolute direct landfall hit right into the city. So it was, it was, it was bad. Tragic, yeah. Yeah, it was fucking bad. For all of our coastal living friends and listeners, they know that life. Yes. Yeah. Actually, weird part, not to cut you off. The we had, for those of you who live in Ohio, you probably know this, but we had a tornado warning up near Solon and yeah. Cleveland and all that earlier in the week, and 
one of the guys at work used to live in Florida before he came up here. And we had an alert go off on our phone and he, we all, they all told us to go to the, the direct shelter where we could actually hide for a tornado and all that. And this guy's still working. And I'm like, dude, we got to go to the shelter real quick. They call for us to go there. And he's like, why? I was like, tornado. He goes, I'm from Florida. Tornadoes ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> so actually scientific proof a little bit against his point here is despite the fact that tornadoes are not the size of hurricanes, they are, our wind speeds are much stronger. Yeah, they yeah. are typically a lot more destructive. No, I, thanks, Karis. But <laughs> <laughs> Also, he clearly didn't see that Amazon building in Indiana after right. it got ran over. So with all of that said, though, over 550 people dead that time. Um, it, is just, it, it was just absolutely awful. Yeah. So the government at that point said, you know what? We're not going to save this shit. And the rest of the residents, they packed up and they moved north. And they said, you know what, we're going to get away from the coast. And just as it stood, devastation and all, they just left Indianola completely abandoned. Well, yeah. And to this day, it is 110% abandoned. There is nothing there but some historical markers. The entirety of the town was declared a historical site. And they've put up a whole lot of little placards telling the story and things like that. So, you know, over the years, which it's been a lot of years since then, I mean, we're talking about 18, what, gosh, so I think it was... 1886 was the last number <coughs> I over 100 yeah. years. Yeah. August 20th of 1886, so well over 100 years yeah. this place Yeah, about a buck 50. Yeah. Um, so over the last 100 and some odd years, uh, lots and lots and lots of people have decided that they wanted to visit this quote-unquote ghost town. So when they do... They're definitely in for a treat. People like us would absolutely just die to be there. No pun intended. So there are people, full-bodied apparitions of people, walking up and down the streets, in and out of what used to be buildings and structures and barns, no. walking down where used to be a dock that now is just water, getting onto their boats that no longer exist, Voices, whispers, uh, full-on conversations, lights that look like lanterns walking down the roads, um, you name it. And this is basically a fully inhabited ghost city. Okay. So this place is just, just the biggest hotbed of activity that there is. And apparently several thousand people have no idea that they're dead. Huh. That'd be an interesting little jaunt. So... Uh, it is perfectly legal to go and visit. There is nothing wrong with that because there's nothing there's nothing really there that there's you can there. destroy yeah. anymore, you yeah. know. So you you are super, super welcome to go there. Uh, they do say uh, be a little bit careful because, you know, sometimes people who don't have other places to stay might yeah. be inhabiting the place. Um, but for the most part, it is just a, a barren, derelict place. Uh, and you can definitely go and see all of this and all of the cool little structures and all of the, the little historical markers that talk about the town. Uh, obviously, the graveyard is still there. Um, there are... Most of the markers have been replaced to the best of the ability of the historians, but obviously a whole lot of those names got lost with the original right. markers. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think that this would be a good point... Uh, especially revolving around your story to remind people as well uh, even if you think you're going to an abandoned town where there's really nothing there at all mm. uh, this, is a, this is a good place to remember to don't take shit from these places oh, mm-hmm. please God, don't do like, that. like you could be picking up a stone and not realize that it was part of this building that yeah. got decimated and you could be bringing that shit follows you home yep mm-hmm. yep that is how you directly fuck with the Baba Yaga. And I, I, well, I specifically, I specifically bring it up in yours because I think that a lot of people don't think about that. Yeah, they think that they're like, taking a piece of history. Yeah, and, and that's exactly a, what it is. And that's it's an just awesome, awesome thing. You are, in fact, yes, you, you could hold or sit on or be near a, right. an actual piece of history. But that history has a story. 
and that history involved actual living, breathing, feeling beings. And it actually is charged with negative history. Yes. So and not always keep negative. That in mind. It can be positive history as well. Well, I'm talking about that specific place. That specific place, probably not so great. That's destruction, devastation. Yes. Uh, bad, <coughs> bad juju. But yeah, for me, it's just one of those things where I think. Most of us, we all know when we go to a haunted place, like say a Waverly Hills or a yeah, we, Winchester, like, yeah. like we don't steal things, yeah, don't you know what I mean? Like don't we don't take, take possessions, but I think a lot of people just don't look at it that way exactly. when it's just this place that does but doesn't exist. Exactly. Well, because they look Where at it as like, like, oh, that's a cool nail from... Yeah, it, it, they look right. at it as just like being at home. You see right. a nail, you pick it up, you throw it away or put it in your pocket and probably forget about it and go through the washer. Uh, well, that'll yeah, you, you you just pick things up not knowing, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before on other episodes. Yeah, but yeah, just, just don't, just stop, don't. Yeah, think it through. You know what? <laughs> Take some pictures. Unless you're dumb, then lick it. Exactly. <laughs> or just do it. Live with the results. <laughs> take take pictures. Take a camera. Take your phone. Phones these days have amazing cameras. Take a lot of pictures and keep those memories in still photography or even moving video. But please, for the love of God, leave history where it lies because it actually still belongs to somebody and that yes. somebody is not you. Photograph, document, but don't take. Yeah. That's it. That's pretty much the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. so. so, with all that said, we uh, have just rounded the 50-minute mark. And we got there pretty damn quickly tonight, actually. I don't feel like that much time actually. I feel like it happens that way every night. No, I mean, we averaged, I think think it was about 15 minutes of story. Like, Texas did not disappoint. No, there was, well, I mean, (laughs) big country, big stories. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And there are actually lots of interesting little ghost towns like that, but the reason why I chose this one is just simply because, I mean, can you believe that shit? Oh, one thing I forgot to say, the second hurricane not only obviously was that fucking horrible, but it sparked some sort of something. I can't remember exactly what they called it, like an old day electrical type thing. Oh, yeah. And um, started a fire. So the <laughs> the part of, of the town that was not directly destroyed by the hurricane. And at that time, I don't think there was underground electricity going on yet. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, the part that wasn't blown down yeah. was, was literally raised to the ground. You know, that, that says to me, like, something's cursed. <laughs> yeah, that town probably just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 no, you got Babylon right there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <coughs> but, no, you're right. Texas did not disappoint at, at all. all. Uh, even just reading the stories going through it earlier in the week and a little bit today, just kind of re-up on some things. Mm. Uh, yeah, just see them. Like, I hate being on my phone that much, but even just reading the stories, I'm sitting there giggling and all that, and my dad's like, what are you laughing at? Right. <laughs> He's like, you watching TikTok again? No, I'm reading about Texas. <laughs> I've got to be honest, man. We are such incredibly lucky people to be in a position where not only do we get to study the paranormal, which is something we absolutely love, but we get to learn all of this amazing history about the country that we live in and the world mm-hmm. in general. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's because of you guys. It's because you guys are interacting with us and allowing us to interact with you and we thank you for it yeah it's it's amazing it's amazing especially me as a researcher i i really get off on this shit so i know we're running close on time but i want to take a minute because i want to uh just a little tiny short sidebar conversation when you guys are going through and picking your stories yeah because because i'll say my process but but what's your process for picking your stories? Like, I'll be honest with you, I generally will go to whatever state haunted this state in Google, right? Yeah. And they have like a top 25 list for every state, yeah, right? Yeah. And to be fair, they have multiple top 25 lists and top 10 lists and top 30 lists and top whatever right. lists. And so my general process is that I go through these lists and... If there's anything that I'm guilty on, it's that I don't read past where I stop. (laughs) So what I'll do is I'll go down through the different stories, right? And I look for the biggest one that I've never heard of. Yeah. Or my biggest one, I mean the one that stands out to me the most. Like, oh my God, like, I want to talk about that. I want to read more about this shit. Like, you know what I mean? And then I just, I stop there though. Like, 
Uh, see, mine's a little bit different. Sorry, I don't mean to cut no. you off. Uh, mine's a little bit... I also do the same thing. I just type in whatever we're talking about time. Like, for instance, today I typed in, like, Haunted Stories in Texas. And it comes up the top 10, top 15, top 20. And I look at that and I just kind of read over all the list. And, like I said, the one I picked struck out to me because it's foodie. Kind of picked in with that. But that's... I, I look for one thing to pick it out, but... I also go back and read the other ones just in case it might be better. That's also an Aries trait. But uh, right. <laughs> um, I just kind of look at it and I would love to have the time to find it in here and instead of using Google, go to the library or the town hall and look it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't live in these states. I can't do that. Yeah, right. uh, Makes it different. But I, I would love to do it that way. But yeah, for the most part, like I just go by the top 20 pick out a story there and I just go to the state and find an interesting story to find out if it's actually a haunted story or not mm-hmm. if it's not it, a lot of stuff goes into my process of my life. and to be fair like to <laughs> piggyback off what you were saying with the way you do it don't get me wrong like when I pull up that top 20 list I will read I will read yeah. all of the summaries yeah. to on that particular page and I don't think yet I've gone through one of these states and I picked one from the first Top ten list. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I'm usually five or six top ten lists in before yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. these are what I'm finding. Like, yeah. so I will actually, um, I I avoid it like the plague. I will not type in Texas hauntings yeah. or Utah hauntings. I won't do it because it, you get those lists. You Good get for those you. Popularity lists. <laughs> yeah. I I won't do it. I avoid it completely. So instead, I will actually say. Um, something usually something like like this week I did um, um, most haunted residential home in Texas was quite literally what yeah. I searched. So you end up finding like true stories from like folklore yeah. kind of shit like that people have passed around through towns. And this time I actually found a house <laughs> in Galveston that is redonkulously haunted. And that house talked about the history of, of that house and how it had been rebuilt after a hurricane. And the hurricane was called, right. you know, blah, 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 which leads me over to Indianola. And I was like, wow, and it's a whole town. To be fair, that's kind of how it happens with me, too. I'll yeah. find something that joins in with this, like how I found about the, the Grove last week when we were talking about Utah. Yeah. And that was something I found about the guy that was actually doing it. When I brought up the top list, I normally just scroll past the first top 15. Right. Not on the list, but on the Google search itself because you always have that one outlier. Yeah. That just strikes out and you're like, ooh, what's that? Let me click on it. Exactly. And that's, but it is interesting the different techniques that we have that are kind of similar but altogether different. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like, and I'm guilty of this myself. I know sometimes we go to look up a story and be like, man, I ain't got time for this. I'm going to look up the first one. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> because you guys haven't done that. No, I've literally never done that. <laughs> I have not. Well, okay. not. But generally, I think they fibbing. But <laughs> no, because generally, this is what I'll do. Uh, once we finish recording this episode right here tonight, for the next two hours after I give us our next date, I will find the place. No. So I actually don't do it that way either. <laughs> I will spend literally the next week looking at absolutely every haunted thing that I can find in our chosen state. And then the morning of the day that we record, I pick the one I want and go. So I will find... That's I will literally spend. the same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I'm going to learn 50 fucking stories, and then I'm going to give you just one. So I spent two hours blasting through places, looking at everything until I find the one that stands out to me, and then I have... A week to research yeah. all about the place. Yeah, but also it just it prevents yeah. that from happening because I know that would be me. <laughs> like it's, it's super. It's Sorry, I have other shit. I think a little bit of it goes. It's fine. It would be me. <laughs> I think a little bit of it goes with the whole researcher topic too, though. Is is because like I I literally not only can I tell you the history of of Indianola, but I can tell you the history of that entire area within about a 200-mile radius from the 1800s all the way to current day. Yeah, I know, cause because I love it. I literally read all of it. Because your stories are more like, here's the history, and by the way, it's haunted. Oh, by the way, there it goes. <laughs> I love it. 
love history. Yeah. Without history, we wouldn't have ghost stories. Yeah, you're right about that. So, all right, we're approaching the hour. So, oh, fuck it. Sorry, guys. It's yeah. fine. We're going to yeah. go a couple minutes past the hour. That's fine. Because by the time we get done wrapping up, fam, what all we're going to fucking right. wrap up and say. So, like, again, Texas, we really appreciate you. Yeah. We had a ton of fun researching your state. Yeah. And what's the next one, Tech Wizard? Uh, Well, <clears throat> let me consult with the Baba Yaga. Uh, the Don't next one. <laughs> <laughs> the next one um, should not be a surprise. Uh, clearly, our fellows down south have done their due diligence to put their state next in line. Ooh. Uh, and it kind of. I don't know that they were even up that close to should be next. So what you're saying is they really made leaps and bounds this week. Um, but the next one is a state where we formerly resided. Ooh, we're going to Tennessee. Mm, yeah, because I hear about this all the time when I talk about stuff. So yeah. <laughs> It's true. I am in love with Tennessee. I have 800 million stories that I could tell you right this very second without doing any research whatsoever. But I'm going to spare you, and I'll come up with just one for next week. Yeah. It's where our logo designer's from. It huh? is Brad O'Neill. Go see him. He is uh, at... Um, he, God, he's amazing, for starters. Okay, so... Um, um, passion fish, passion fish tattoo, which I believe is it in Maribel? Um, it's either in Maribel or Knoxville. I think Somewhere in the Knoxville region, Maribel. You know you're close enough. <laughs> I don't know. Never been to Tennessee, so. There's a there's like the Knoxville, Maribel, Gatlinburg. It's all within like. 20 minutes to each other. I'm okay. giving, sort of. Yes, it is at 313 Foothills Mall Drive in Maryville, Tennessee. Uh, Passion Fish Tattoo Studio. Obviously, it's closed right now, but um, go see him. Brad O'Neill, he is absolutely fabulous. He designed our logo, and he is in the works of designing lots more things for us, actually. Um, and he is a phenomenal tattoo artist. He's not been in the business super long, but leaps and bounds. He is so talented. Yeah. So Tennessee it is. So I'm going to have to really do some research to kind of, wow, you guys, because I'm pretty sure you've heard everything Very from likely, there. Like, that's okay. That's okay. Anything you do is going to be phenomenal. I mean, that's, I don't want to get the um actually part. Um, actually, you know what? I will refrain. <laughs> no, you won't. You know what? No. <laughs> just, just put a gag on me. I don't know. <laughs> Slap her around. Yeah, just just reach out. Yeah, no, that's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, actually, Uh, we'll let you go. I think my curiosity is going to be trying to figure out whether or not I'm going to do something that I visited, or whether or not I can actually find something that I haven't visited, which actually leaves like the whole western side of Tennessee. So I actually have a super interesting idea. Me too. So, what's your idea? Oh, God, here we go. I was thinking not only should we each do a story like usual, but maybe since Brad is one of the founding members of No Lights Paranormal, he can tell you guys the story about the particular haunting we visited when we got our name. Uh, so, we will see how the tech works out on that. If I'm able to live stream him in, I will yeah. do so, which I should have that figured out by then. That's not a problem. Uh, my idea was actually that I might sit this one out and let Brad tell a story. <gasps> I will still tech words it up and make sure the episode's recorded, but I might let him uh, fill in for me. So what you mean is you're going to sit there and click buttons. All right. Basically. <laughs> so uh, super fun to think about also. No. Brad is also a musician. He's, he's a very talented musician. He's a vocalist and a guitar player and a bass player. Uh, so he actually has a crap ton of recording equipment. Um, so we might be able to figure this out. Yeah. We will no, be able cool. to figure it out. Because I've heard a bunch of stories about this Brad, but never ever met the dude. So. Brad is so fun, and he was actually going to take a vacay up here this summer, but then they moved, and crazy shit, and work, yeah. and yeah, so he actually was, was should have been up actually this past month, but unfortunately okay. wasn't able to. Just so, like every other adult, real life just kicks you in the ass. Right. Yep, exactly. Experiencing that the past year. But no, I'd <laughs> still be here for like the conversation at the end or whatever, but uh, yeah. I'm yeah, willing to absolutely. let him fill in for me and That'd tell the story. Freaking phenomenal. All right. We so, might even be able to like Discord him in or something. I don't know. Um, also, so as a heads up, that kind of probably should have got brought up with the announcements. 
we will let you know when things are finalized and we know when it's going to be. And I only say that we should have brought it up with the announcements because it will affect our scheduling. And we've already talked about scheduling is uh, we may or may not be live broadcasting from a place once a month, which will change our yes. format just a little bit. Yes. So I do believe that the format will probably pretty much stay the same. We're going to be adding extra content is my goal. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> Clearly, we didn't talk about this before we said it. That's fine. <laughs> but you know what? We all have huge, beautiful ideas. Let's make them all work. And you guys, please, for the love of God, let us know your stories. Um, reach out and tell us about your hauntings, even if you would potentially like to be a guest on the show or have us read a little thing that you write right. about your own haunted experience. Yeah, we could do write-ins. Um, Please, yes, yeah. yes, reach out to us. You can uh, contact us on Facebook at No Lights Paranormal. You can uh, get a hold of us at No Lights Ghosts on X, formerly Twitter. Are we still saying formerly Twitter, or can we just say X? Now? You just say uh, X. I think people know I think they get X. it now. Yeah. Okay, groovy. Um, and then, of course, you can always email us at nolightsparanormal at gmail.com. And uh, First Friday in Wadsworth is going to be coming up this Friday, which I believe is the 4th. Uh, so if you are around Wadsworth, stop on by Mountain and Flame on the Square across from the Marathon Station and see us. No. Yeah. I mean, see Teresa, I won't be there because I'll be at work. I think I will also talk to my 15-year-old tech wizard and uh, finish getting the Discord server set up so we can get idea submissions from there, too. Yeah, that's yeah. a fabulous idea. Tech wizard. <laughs> yeah, my 15-year-old tech wizard. You know, the one that's smarter than me? Yeah. So, alright, so, Yeah. That's all said and done. I think we're about time to wrap it up. We've talked too long. Let's get the hell out of here. Love you guys. Peace out. And don't fuck with Bobby Yaga.